Amen. Great worship this morning. Happy Mother's Day. All the moms in the room, got my mom, my mother-in-law, my wife, and both of my daughters are mothers. So it's a special day in our family as it is in yours. I want us to pray this morning. and We want to pray specifically for mom. We want to pray thanksgiving for moms and what they have meant to us in our lives and also blessing on them and then strength because moms by definition have to put up with kids they need all the strength they can get don't they and it never ends does it mom doesn't matter they grow up you still got to put up with them don't you you need strength to deal with them so let's pray together would you join me father we thank you so much today for your grace your mercy to us your generosity your patience your perseverance with us, and your great love to us. And Lord, when we think of all the generous gifts that you've given us, none is greater than our own mothers. And so on this special day in our calendar, Lord, we want to give you thanks for the moms you've put in our lives. We thank you so much for their patience and their perseverance and their strength and We thank you that you have ordained such a special role in our lives by placing them in our lives. Lord, what a blessing to us. And Lord, I pray your blessings on all the moms that are in the room and that are listening online today. Lord, I pray that you would just pour your spirit out on them today. And that through the the recognition that they receive from their family, but Lord, more so through your presence in their lives. Lord, that they would be blessed today. Bless them, keep them. Lord, make your face shine upon them. Let them know that you are with them no matter where they go and what they go through. And Lord, we pray that you would give them strength because we know the challenges. We know the the reliance that so many of us place on this one person in our lives. Lord, we pray that you'll strengthen them, encourage them. Lord, I pray that that you would show yourself specifically to moms today. Bless them. Lord, bless us as we open your word, as we dive into your passage that you've given us today, Lord, this great prophetic passage that we would hear from you. Lord, we've heard from man And we've heard from you, and we'd rather hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is great to be back here with you at Central. For those of you that I haven't met before, I'm Steve Brazell. I'm the Director of Missions for our Unity Baptist Association. I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. Now, it's only three chapters long. It's in the Old Testament. It's before Malachi and after Genesis. That's all I'm going to give you. You've got to figure it out from there. Habakkuk is a great story, a great prophet. This story is really very personal. It, the, this book is a very personal writing. It's, Habakkuk is a prophet, but what he writes about is, is really more for himself. And there's a journey that he goes on. If you, 
this afternoon, don't do it right now, but this afternoon, just read the whole book of Habakkuk so you can kind of catch his journey. Because it's really interesting how he goes from doubt to faith. And what I want us to think about today is faith. Not not the faith that we outline, like, you know, there, there's a couple of ways you can use the word faith. The faith is the, the uh, set of beliefs that we have as Christians that we share together. We share a common faith, right? We have a set of beliefs. But then faith also gets used in a different way, which is that, that outward trust in who God is and what God has done. And that's really what I want us to think about. And what I want you to do today is to embrace faith. Uh, I mean, obviously, I want you to embrace the set of beliefs of Christianity. If you haven't done that before, then I want you this morning, I'm going to encourage you and strongly exhort you to embrace the historical faith of Christianity. That is, that, that we are all sinners, we were in need of salvation because of our sin, and that God loved us so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin. Our sins, they are many, but His grace is more, right? His mercy is more. We believe that, not just as a song, but as a true statement of what our faith is. And so then when we put our trust in Him and the work that He did on the cross and on the third day rising from the dead, then we enter into the Christian faith. And at that point, it becomes as much about the set of beliefs as it really does become about our active trust in God. And the truth is, is that for many of us, we have embraced the set of beliefs, but our embracing of the active trust in God has not gotten as far as our belief in the, in the set of doctrines. And we must get to a place, my encouragement to you today is to begin, if you haven't already, but continue to embrace what it means to trust God. Habakkuk starts out in difficulty. I'm going to show you chapter 1 because I just feel like we've got to look at that to kind of get a deal. Just one verse or maybe two or three. Chapter 1 of Habakkuk, verse 2. Tell me if this is a, isn't a prayer that may, many of you have uttered maybe recently or maybe at some point in your life. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, how long am I going to have to call out to you? How long am I going to have to pray and you're not doing anything? That's Habakkuk's prayer. Now, I just submit to you, this is not typically the way we think that a prophetic voice ought to begin, right? Because it sounds like he's got a lot of doubt, doesn't it? In fact, it sounds like he's even got some disbelief. Lord, I've been praying and you're not answering. Lord, I've been trying to call out to you, cry out to you for salvation, for help, and you have not been there. Where, where are you, Lord? How long is it going to take before you finally answer my prayer? You ever had that prayer? Maybe even afraid to voice that prayer, but it's been there in your heart? That's Habakkuk. And then listen to the next couple of verses, because I think they help us understand what's going on in his life. Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? 
Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Does that sound like any kind of a society that you might have heard about before? It's kind of crazy, isn't it, to think that 2,600, 700 years ago, Habakkuk was praying about the same things that many of us are seeing today. And the question that he had is, Lord, how long is this going to go on before you do something about it? What Habakkuk learns as we go through the book, and we're not going to go through the whole book, relax, but as you read it later this afternoon, what Habakkuk learns is that difficulty does not mean abandonment. And I think sometimes we kind of associate those two together. Things are hard, where has God gone? Things are difficult, what happened to the Lord? Where did he go? But Habakkuk has learned that difficulty does not mean abandonment. As we read this passage in chapter 3, that's where we're going to kind of spend our time. In chapter 3, we find out that that his confidence in the Lord has grown immensely. Let's look at chapter 3, and this is where we want to live, verse 17, 18, and 19. He says in chapter 3, verse 17, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails... And the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen, and there are no herds in the stalls. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. Sounds like a different guy than chapter 1, doesn't it? A completely different guy. He has learned that difficulty does not mean abandonment. He's grown in his faith. You hear the difference, don't you? In the tone even. I mean, if we were writing this today, maybe some of you would be writing about, you know, fig trees and fruit on the vines and, you know, sheep in the stalls. Certainly there's some people in East Texas that say that sounds pretty familiar. Or maybe you'd be writing something like, though the stock market is down and the prices are up. Though my IRA has failed, though my car is in the shop, there's no money in my bank account, no prospect for my future, and no way to pay my bills, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Does that sound maybe a little bit more like what you might expect or what you might relate to? He's learned about embracing his faith, trusting in the Lord. And we've got to learn that too. Because you see, the purpose of faith is not to remove all doubt. That is not the purpose of faith. The purpose of faith is is not to answer every question. The purpose of faith is to make you sure of the Lord. We embrace faith because we are certain of the Lord. And I want you to see a couple of things about this as we look at this passage. The first one is that we've got to embrace God's purpose. You've got to embrace God's purpose for you. 
I've got to embrace God's purpose for me. This is his statement there in verse 18. I will celebrate in the Lord. I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in Him. I'm going to embrace God's plan, His purpose in my life, which means we have to redefine success. We have to define it as the Lord defines it. I mean, success gets defined in a lot of ways. Today, doesn't it? You make a lot of money, you become famous, you become a TikTok influencer. How many of you are really searching for that? You're really hoping, one day I can be a TikTok influencer. Others of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. That sounds like a Russian foreign language or something. I don't know. <clears throat> a lot of people think that's success, right? A lot of people know me. I've got a lot of money. I've made it, I am accomplished. And yet what we find is that people that get to that point often find that it doesn't satisfy. In fact, talk to some of your children, your grandchildren, and find out what happens to so many of those who become influencers. We see a, a spate of suicides among people under the age of 25 who are influencers with literally thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of followers on Instagram or TikTok or someplace, and yet they commit suicide. You know why, don't you? Because that's not success, is it? Success, as the Lord defines it, is obedience. It's perseverance. It's faith. It's faith. You see, victory with the Lord is something very different than what the world says. Faith is the victory. Some of you know that song, don't you? Faith is the victory. What a great statement of truth. Being, believing and trusting in the Lord is victory in your life. That's winning. I'm going to trust in the Lord. That's what, that's what Habakkuk is saying. I'll rejoice in the Lord. I don't have anything. I mean, everything is falling apart. There's no way to say that anything happening around him or in his life is victorious. And yet he says, I will celebrate. I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm trusting in him. I'm just going to have to trust in him. When I trust him, that's winning. I've won the victory. No matter what happens, no matter my circumstance, when I trust in the Lord, I've won victory. When you trust in the Lord, that's victory in your life. That's worth celebrating. That's what we rejoice and celebrate, isn't it? We celebrate wins. We ought to celebrate when we're just, I'm just trusting the Lord. They say, man, your life, everything, there's nothing happening, nothing good. Yeah, but I'm trusting God. And that's victory in my life. I'm just going to trust Him to, to embrace God's purpose in our lives, to redeem us, to make us into the image of His Son. Practically, I think what this means is that we're willing to say, well, wherever the Lord leads me, whatever the Lord does in my life around me is fine with me. I'm good with it. Whatever that means, I'm content. His timing, his direction, I'm content. Now, I probably have shared with you before what my aunt said, and I've quoted her often. The Lord's never been late, right? He's just missed lots of opportunities to be early. To be content with God's timing. Whenever God wants to do it, whatever he wants to do, I'm just going to be content where I am. I'm, I'm going to trust him. Does the Lord know? Let me ask you this. Does the Lord know where you are right now? 
does the Lord know what's going on in your life right now? Is he aware of all the circumstances around you? Does he love you? We often have to remind ourselves of those things. Because sometimes we get like Habakkuk was in chapter 1 and we go, Lord, where are you? Lord, I've been talking, I've been calling, I've been praying, and you're not giving me the answer I would like. I need it now. I'm not saying you have to do it now, but now would be really good. To embrace your trust in the Lord is to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, whatever needs to happen in my life so that you can turn me into the image of your son, I'm good. Now, I'm not going to pretend to say that's an easy prayer to pray. That's not easy to say, is it, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life to make me who I need to be, do it. I'm willing. I'll go through it. And some of you would testify this morning that you've been through some things in your life, haven't you? You've been through some hard things. Some of you would say, I'm in the middle of it right now. Trust in the Lord. Embrace trusting him. Grab hold of that and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I can't fix this. I can't make it right. I'm just going to trust you and let you fix it when you're ready. That second part of verse 18 says, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And when I think about salvation, I think about one big word, grace. We need to embrace God's grace towards us. I need to embrace God's grace towards me. You need to embrace God's grace towards you. And this means, I think, we need to redefine what makes us happy. What, what makes you happy? Because Habakkuk was certainly not rejoicing in the fact of his circumstances, was he? I mean, you look at verse 17, and he's basically saying everything is barren. Nothing good is happening. The fig tree's not budding. The fruit, there's no fruit on the trees. The olive crop has failed. The fields have produced no food. The flocks have disappeared from the pen. There are no herds in the stalls. I have no way to eat, drink. I have no way to make money. I have no way to get through. I don't know what's going to happen, but Lord... I will rejoice in your grace towards me. And sometimes we might look at that and go, where's the grace here? This just looks like hardship. But see, when we define the things that make us happy as those things that we have and the comforts of life, and let me tell you, this is the Western world, isn't it? We like our comforts. I mean, we're in May, but we know what's coming, don't we? June, and then July, and then August, and then September in Texas, and then half of November. I think it goes October, half of November, you get to Thanksgiving, and it cools off. And we sure do like our air conditioning, don't we? I mean, how many of you will drive around with a car that is falling apart, but as long as it has AC, that baby's running? But when the AC goes out, we're going to the shop because that four-window AC does not work near good enough. We like our comforts, don't we? 
we need to redefine what makes us happy. We need to redefine what makes us happy. We rejoice in the Lord and the presence of God in our life. That God is there, that God loves us, that God has forgiven us, that God has graciously come and, and poured His Spirit into our lives. We rejoice in that even though what's going on around us and outside of us is not something to make you happy. And I'm not talking about then happiness based on circumstance, right? We're really talking about joy that goes past circumstance, beyond circumstance, in spite of circumstance. I rejoice in the God of my salvation because he saved me. My sins, they were many, but his mercy is more. We rejoice, don't we? Because no matter how hot it gets, no matter how hungry we get, no matter how thirsty we are, the Lord has still saved us. Our joy, I think, that we have in this is in, the, in proportion to our faith. If you have trouble being joyful, it's not that the circumstances around you aren't good, it's that your faith has not yet been embraced the way it should be. You haven't grabbed hold of trusting in God the way you ought to. Say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I don't get this, but I'm going to trust you, and so I'm, I'm going to rejoice. Because I know you've got this. I know you, you're going to take care of it. No matter what happens, that may mean that I die. That's okay. I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation because I'm saved. I've got something to be happy about, right? Practically, it means that I can't be jealous or envious of other people and what God is doing in their life. You ever had that? I wish God would work in my life the way he does in her life. Why hasn't God done in, in us, in our family, what he's done in that family? That envy and jealousy, spiritual envy, have you ever had that? Being content, again, content, happy, rejoicing. Listen, Christian, I've said this many times in, in different ways and places, but Christian, if you, you don't have to walk into church every time with a smile on your face because sometimes things happen, don't they? And sometimes life is hard, and sometimes we carry burdens, don't we? But if you never find any time and any reason to rejoice, you have a problem at the heart of your walk with God. It is not everybody else's fault that you can't ever be happy. If you can't find some reason somewhere, sometime to rejoice, you need to re-examine, do I truly trust God? Or do I just adhere to a set of doctrines but I don't really, and I haven't really embraced faith, trusting in the Lord. And I fear there are many people who sit in churches all over the world today who have embraced a set of doctrines, but have never embraced the God of the doctrine. And that's what you have to do. You have to embrace God in faith and trusting Him. And then this last one that he says, the Lord my Lord is my strength. We've got to embrace God's work and His strength in our life, His work through our lives, which means we have to redefine what it means to be strong because most people think that being strong means that you're buffed up. Clearly, that's not something I'm concerned about. <laughs> that was a joke. You can laugh if that's okay. We've got to embrace the Lord's strength in our lives. 
It's not about me having strong will. It's not about me having a, a strong life and having strong physicality. It's not about that at all because I cannot do God's work in my strength. I can't and neither can you. I cannot finish the race in my strength and neither can you. I can only accomplish great and eternal lasting things when I am completely dependent upon God. That's the only way. The only way you can do anything that is going to last for eternity is if you do it depending on the Lord's strength through you. Let me just tell you, that means that you can't truly worship the Lord unless you are embracing faith and trusting Him and saying, Lord, I'm just showing up with what I've got. But this is your breath coming through my life, breathing life into me. You can't share the gospel with someone and win them to the Lord in a way that is powerful unless you are trusting that God's going to do it because you and I, neither one, can save anybody, can we? I can't save anybody. If the Lord doesn't do it, it doesn't happen, right? And you can draw a crowd without the Lord. You can sing songs without the Lord. You can build beautiful buildings without the Lord. We've seen it all over the world, haven't we? But you cannot do eternally lasting things without God at work through your life. Our call is not to be great men and great women. Our call is to be humble servants. And to say, willing, I'm willing, Lord, I'm here, I'm available. Whatever you want to do, you do through me, I'll be happy with it. However you want to carry me on, Lord, I'll be happy with it. No matter what it looks like around me, no matter what the circumstances are around me, Lord, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to rejoice in you, because I know you've got my life, and I'm trusted in you, I've won whatever you want to do or not do in me is good with me. I'm content in that and I'm happy because I know that you are in control. I know that you have my life in your hands. This is faith. This is what it means to really trust the Lord. And I fear that too many times we, we start out on that path, but then we get embroiled in, in this whole and maybe immersed in this whole idea of, of organization and all of that, you know, we get, we get immersed in this whole idea of do the right thing and be a really good person, and we forget what it means to truly trust the Lord with our lives. Till we get into crisis, and we try everything we can to get out of the crisis and get through it, and when we can no longer do that, when we no longer have the strength or the knowledge or the will then hopefully, finally, we'll say, Lord, you're going to have to do this. Now, wouldn't it just be better to start out there? Wouldn't that be better? You know, there's a New Testament passage that this passage in Habakkuk reminds me of. The New Testament passage is in 2 Corinthians 4. I don't know how much of this I'll read, but we're just going to... We're going to read a little bit of it. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Now we have this treasure 
in clay jars. This treasure is the power and the person of God, the Holy Spirit in us, but we're just clay jars, he says. We're just clay jars. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Right? I want what happens to be from God and not from me. We are, listen, this, this is the part that really pointed me to this passage. We are afflicted in every way. We're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. And we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Doesn't that sound like Habakkuk? All these things may happen and terrible things may be going on around us and and it may seem that the world has fallen apart. But I will trust in the Lord. I believe that he holds me in his hand. I believe that he will not let me go and I couldn't jump out if I wanted to. I believe that he knows where I am. He knows what I'm doing. He knows what's happening around me. He knows the answer to all of it. He loves me, and he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish in his time, in his way, for his glory. Therefore, I will trust the Lord. I don't have to understand it. You see, my faith doesn't mean that I have to know what the plan is for the next five years, much less the next five minutes. I don't have to know how it's all going to work out. I don't have to know what all he's going to do. I don't have to know all of the things that are happening. I just know that the Lord knows, and that's good enough for me. Now, I'm just going to tell you that it's much easier to say than it is to do. And this is what mature Christianity looks like. If some of you are wondering, what does it mean to be a mature Christian? This is what it is when you're willing to say, Lord, I don't have to know. I am perplexed. I am persecuted. I am in, uh, but I am not in despair. And I am struck down, but I am not destroyed because the Lord has hold of my life. In verse 10 of that, I just had to read a little bit more because this is such a beautiful passage. In 2 Corinthians 4, he says, We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. That's what I want, for his life to be shown in me. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. We trust the Lord, so we say what he tells us to say, when he tells us to say it, how he tells us to say it. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up. We do not give up. We may feel like it, we may want to, we may think there's no other way, but we do not quit. Christians, 
Do not quit. Because we know that the Lord is going to finish this. He's going to work it out. So we just keep going as long as we can. And even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. No matter what's happening on the outside, God is renewing my strength. For our momentary, listen to this, our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. The hardness the crisis, the difficulty, the challenge, the hatred that you're receiving, all of that is momentary. It's a light affliction, and it produces in you an incomprehensible weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. We believe that whatever has happened in our life, whatever is going on, that God, this is Romans 8, 28, right? God takes all those things and he works them together for his good. You believe that? That God can take anything and everything in your life and work it together for good. You know what we call that? The, the, the theological word for that? It's called redemption. He redeems it. The worst things that ever happened to us, the most horrible things that could ever occur in our lives, God can redeem those. The worst day that you've had. I'm sure I could, I could ask you, tell me the worst day that you've had. You may not want to tell me about it, but you know what it is, don't you? And when I mention that, you can immediately go back to that place, can't you? God can redeem the worst day. That's what he does. And so because of that, I can present everything to him and know he will make it right. I will trust him to bring good out of the hardship. I will trust him. Embrace faith, trusting the Lord. I'll go through it. That's okay. I want to I learn to be like Habakkuk because many times I find myself wanting to pray that prayer. Lord, how long? How long is it going to take? Lord, where are you? What are you doing? I want to get to that place where I can say, Lord, I don't care what's happening. I don't care my bank account. I don't care um, the struggles. I don't care what's going on in my life around me. I will trust in you. And so I rejoice because you are the God of my salvation. Lord, my Lord, you are my strength. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Lord, that you're here today again, over and over again, reminding us of who you are and how much you love us pouring yourself out through us and in us. And Lord, this morning, we just want to come to you and say thank you for being our God. And Lord, we, we confess to you that sometimes we have doubted and sometimes we have even been frustrated with you and Sometimes we have 
tried to fix things instead of just allowing you to be God. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, as God has spoken to your heart today, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of response. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. But listen, I, I want to invite you to do something this morning. Because I know that in a group this size, there are many, many people across this room, upstairs and down, online also, there are many people who are going through the worst. And when I asked you what your worst day is, some of you said, is yesterday. Some of you may even said it was this morning. The phone call I got. For some of you it was very fresh. My encouragement to you this morning, wherever that is in your life, I want to encourage you to trust the Lord, to put your faith in Him. And I'm going to invite you this morning as we stand to sing in just a minute, I want to invite you to come here to the altar. There's nothing special about these steps other than the fact that oftentimes when we come forward in church to kneel on the steps or maybe sit on the front seat, God moves. And I want to invite you to come and, and to just reaffirm your trust in the Lord. Tell him again and, Lord, and ask him, Lord, I, I need your strength. Lord, I need, I need you. And Lord, I need faith because I'm really struggling trusting you with this right now. For some of you, it's something happening in your own life. For others, it's something your kids are going through or maybe your parents some it's your grandkids, your grandparents. It's your friend, it's your neighbor. And you just need to come and pray for them. You need to come and say, Lord, I, I need them. I want, I'm praying, God, that they would trust you. Listen, this is the moment in, in a worship service together where we come to the Lord. Let me just say this too, okay? This might seem awkward to some of you, but for some of you, you know there's somebody in this room and you know they're going through it. You know they've had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year. And I would encourage you during this prayer time and response time to maybe go and find them and just say, I want to pray with you right here. Maybe it's just right where they are. Maybe it's to come down front together. Or maybe you'll see somebody come forward and you just want to come and join them and just put a hand on their shoulder and let them know, hey, we stand together and we do not give up. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And when we do, I encourage you to respond to how God has spoken to you this morning. Father, we trust you. We trust you with your, with everything that we've got, Lord, we trust you with our lives, with our families, with our jobs, with our homes. Lord, we have no place to go but to you. So we come to you. In the precious name of Jesus, we lay all of these things before you. In his name we pray. 
Amen. As we stand and as we sing, if you've got a decision to make, you want to just come and pray, you come. I'll stand out here in front. If you want to come talk to me, I'll be here. I'll pray with you gladly. You come as we sing.
faith in you. Lord, I pray this community would be changed for. 